and pals, before we jump into the episode for today, we actually have a small announcement. We're going to be doing a collab in the next coming weeks with an environmental toxicologist. She runs an Instagram and a blog called The Pretty PhD at The Pretty PhD on Instagram if you want to go check her out. She's going to be on the podcast and we're going to be doing a Q&A with her in the first half of the episode. So for the Q&A portion, if you guys have any questions about career, about environmental toxicology, about the field of toxicology, or just any kind of questions you might have, we're going to be taking questions up until next Tuesday, June 8th. That is one week from now, if you're listening to this today, and you can email those questions at thatshitispoison at gmail.com. All right. What's up, Poison Pals? Welcome back to another episode of That Shit Is Poison. Poison. <laughs> da, 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 da. This is Megan talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Megan <laughs> spoke out. Your... Megan jumped her line. It's actually my turn to introduce oh, right. the podcast. Okay, go for it. Go for no, it. No, no, That was beautiful. I'm, okay. I love how you just jumped into it with so much gusto, gusto, gusto. I definitely do a hard you. I do gusto. Gusto. <laughs> okay, yeah. That was perfect. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Megan, do you want to tell the Poison Pals what you're sporting tonight? What I'm wearing? (laughs) Yes. So I recently went home uh, to Sacramento to visit my mom and sister for the end of Ramadan. Eid just passed this mid-May. And one of the things that my mom gave me that she must have acquired from one of the other Malaysian aunties Mm. in our circle up there is this super light and breezy nightgown kind of looks like a caftan mm-hmm. but um i was talking with harini earlier because harini had sent me was it a tiktok or an instagram one of it the was above. an instagram of lizzo it was an instagram video of lizzo i think it's on her page actually so you could even look this yeah. up but if you go to lizzo's page she's wearing like this you know this flowy nightgown and some the, the caption something about like something about like when he sees this nightgown we were going to sleep and but it's like there's a winky face yeah, like yeah. it doesn't actually mean sleep it means it's she's like, gonna get frisky exactly. with her nightgown and it's mm-hmm. really like honestly it's not like a sexy thing but like it's sexy for her you know so exactly. i was laughing because i just acquired this super flowy really <laughs> modest mm-hmm. nightgown like there's no skin showing it is like a full length nightgown but uh <laughs> yeah i was just telling harini like dude with the heat coming oh, this summer yeah. mm-hmm. i'm gonna be living in this thing yes. be sleeping in it getting the mail in it doing my work in it <laughs> yes exactly. literally literally have nothing else on nothing else me. on it or underneath I, know, I just just throw this one <laughs> one single piece of cloth over my body and exactly <laughs> she's done her taxes in it it's her yep, it's I her did, motive. i did it's I honestly did. such a beautiful color too for people oh, that cannot you. see obviously no one can see because this is a podcast so let me be your <laughs> eyes so it is a beautiful ruby red mm-hmm. calf like she and said caftan like mm-hmm. yeah very caftan like it's got i will be honest the neck design kind of mm-hmm. looks like a dashiki like you know how dashikis have like that mm-hmm. collar with the de- like the pattern yeah but i realized i was like no like indonesian slash malay garment designs do have this similar pattern they do. so yeah i've been i've been like mindful about covering it when i'm on zoom calls because i feel like oh. someone's gonna see like the collar and be like why is megan wearing a dashiki but in my head i'm like ask me ask me because i'm gonna call <laughs> i'm gonna say back to you no this is from malaysian culture yeah 
I ain't doing anything wrong. <laughs> Wait, Megan. Okay, I have to mm. backtrack. You're okay. are you taking Zoom calls in this in this in this I getup? Technically, I technically am, but I'm putting oh, yes. a sweatshirt over it when I get off. <laughs> so they can't. That tell. is amazing. They can't tell. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. Why? Why shouldn't you? It actually looks very like if you if you couldn't tell like you're just looking at the top half. Mm-hmm. It actually looks very formal and beautiful. Okay. But once you would stand up, you're like, oh, you're in full <laughs> cash wear. <laughs> yeah, I am. You are uh, ready to sink into the couch for hours. <laughs> I am. I am. It's so funny. Manira, my sister, actually has one. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact thing in blue. Ooh. And she was. She said the same thing. She's like, Megan, I wear this every waking hour of my day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> for people that don't know, this is pretty much a staple in Asian cultures. I think... I would. I don't know if across all Asian cultures, but definitely like mm. Southeast and South Asian countries in the summertime when mm. it is too damn hot and it is also very humid. You don't want to be wearing mm. any kind of layers. You don't even want to be no, wearing a no. shirt because a shirt will stick to you. You want something that is right. a very loose and very baggy that has a lot of airflow all the way up the nether regions and everywhere else. Yes. <laughs> so this is perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, it did make me think. Actually, I'm like, because I'm used to when I go visit my family in Malaysia, mm-hmm. there's a traditional garb or cloth material that men wear yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, the the European equivalent of it would be like a kilt Correct. or something, right? But yes. it's like it's in India, mm-hmm. too. But it's just like a long, light cloth yep. that they just tie around their waist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know they ain't wearing nothing under those. <laughs> like, this is your casual you know, casual everyday wear yes. to beat the heat. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think like, I think more people in the States or just Western cultures in general, we all need to wear nightgowns and be comfortable with it. Like right. we all need to be comfortable with wearing a men's, I don't even want to call it a skirt. It's just like a sheet you yeah. wrap around right. your waist Yeah, yeah, yeah. for casual at home. Like I think everyone would be so much happier. Oh, 100%. Not temperamental. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the... At least in South Asia, specifically South India, is where they sport this Indian version of a kilt. It's called a lungi. Mm-hmm. And it's mm. all cotton, usually white or checkered in color. Right, right. And exactly what Megan said. You know, I love that you made the analogy that it's like a kilt because it truly mm-hmm. is. It is the Indian or Asian version of a kilt. And people just all men typically wear day to day basis all day, every day even to work sometimes because it's just comfortable yeah. and it makes sense with the weather too. So it's functional and stylish if you, if you want it to be. Right. <laughs> right. It, it, yeah. True. And like it's, I think the only difference is that the, the material is thinner than yes. a kilt and it usually either goes to the ankles or to like your mid calf region. Correct. But yeah, like I think that should be something that's done in the States a little more more commonly does does dave wear one of these no like does he have one at home so no that's like not that's what i'm just gonna say so it's only common to south india and dave is not from south india so he's like from central to northern india and they do not have that custom whatsoever which is very interesting because it does get hot pretty much all over india but i would say that south india is closer to the equator so it does get a little more Mm -hmm. hot and kind of begs that different street wear or home wear Right. I guess that makes sense, though, because like India is massive in general. So like there's going to be different clothing trends. Malaysia is small enough. I think it's literally eight hours from like from the top border to the Singaporean border Uh or something like that. Ten to eight hours. 
So it's about like, you know, the size of California, yeah. essentially. So it's small enough that everyone <laughs> wears this this scarf. Exactly. Anyways. Okay. That was, a, that was our fashion <laughs> hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just in case for our hot girl summer. Oh, I do have a book recommendation. Could yeah. Be, it's, I guess it's kind of true crime. Not really. It's more like a, sur- I really like a survival story or survivor story, I should say. It's a true story. It's called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean by Richard Logan. Although I thought it was going to be by the person itself. But it's about this girl named Terry Joe who was 11 mm-hmm. when her whole family mm-hmm. had went aboard the ship and the dad basically was like i have this lifelong dream of i want to sail not around the world but i kind of want to live on a boat for mm-hmm. like several months with my family and just experience mm-hmm. what it'd be like to have life at sea and he took a small little trip with his family as like a trial run and they loved it so then he actually signed up with the captain and was like can you captain our ship for one to two months as we do this voyage across the sea and he was like yep let's do it long story short this is not a spoiler because Actually, I don't know. Maybe that is a spoiler. It is a true story. But basically, she gets orphaned at mm-hmm. sea. Her whole family gets murdered. And it's just her. And it's like her. Oh, yeah. Like murdered. They don't. It's not like they perish, perish naturally. No, no, no. They're the all oh, like slaughtered at sea. And so Whoa. she's the only survivor. Yeah. And it's just about her literally surviving and yeah. getting back to land. But it's a really, really impactful, powerful and beautiful story at the end. Highly recommend okay how did she end up being the lone survivor like I, i'm curious like how did her parents get murdered and like how did she escape should i say murdered? or should i just sh- i don't know for <laughs> i know so it's actually amazing amazing story <laughs> for people that are curious i will not say in case you guys want to read the book but megan i can tell you afterwards mm. okay so that sounds good yeah all right sorry poison pals <laughs> if you were like probably not going to read the book but we're curious you're just going to have to go and read that synopsis mm. on wikipedia exactly read those spark notes okay. girl all right shall we get into okay. it let's get into it all right it is megan's turn to tell the story mm-hmm. so poison pals sit your ass down get your wine get your water get some weed <laughs> and sit down because megan's the three w's tell. three w's oh yeah wine water weed yeah uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Get ready because Megan's about to tell her story. So, Megan, it is your turn to pick your poison. What's it going to be? All right. So today I am going to be talking about a upward trending practice, at least for you know Western society. Mm-hmm. But I'll be talking about the practice of Cambo, K-A-M-B-O. Harini, I'm curious. Okay, given your reaction, I have my answer. But I was curious okay. if you've heard of Cambo. <laughs> Only because it popped up on my like newsfeed or whatever because it's something that's trending specifically in Silicon Valley slash hmm. um, tech circles in the San Francisco slash you know Bay Area, and mm-hmm. I was curious to know if through your schooling at UCSF you've heard of this practice of Cambo at all. Does that ring no. at all? No, not okay. at all. I've never ever heard that term before. I'm curious if I know what it is, but I've just not mm-hmm. heard the term. So I'll okay. let you proceed and maybe I'll for sure. shout out if I do. All right. For sure. So Poison Palace, I think this will be a pretty brief 
episode unless Harini and I dick around later <laughs> and just <laughs> exactly. shoot the breeze. Yeah. But interestingly enough, I'll, I'll get into all the details, but interestingly enough, when we get to the toxicity portion, there's actually no, there's not a lot of research currently on Cambo. So it was kind of hard to come by. We don't understand why it does the things it does to the human body yet. So okay. maybe there's going to be a growing um, research and evidence later. But anyways, Cambo is the term used for the practice of getting poisonous frog excretions and putting mm. it on your body. And we're going to get a little more detailed about that. But I guess it's been popularized in the late 2010s in New York and San Francisco area. Mm. Uh, looking at the articles about it, I see it pop up mostly around 2017. But uh-huh. it's people, at least, again, in Western cultures, they do it as an alternative medicine practice. And it's mm. supposed to have some sort of psychological effects and impact and stuff like that. Yeah. But I want to start with where it comes from traditionally, of course. Yeah. So for today's episode, I got information from ClinMed International Library, the Clinical Toxicology Journal, Journal of Forensic Sciences, another journal called just Forensic Toxicology. I got information from the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health, Journal of Venomous Animals and Toxins, including Tropical Ooh. Diseases. There was a fun article from Insider. And then I also got some information from an online retailer website called Shamanic Stuff, where they Ooh. sell shaman-affiliated medicinal items hmm. and things like that, yeah. where they sell what's called Cambo Medicine Sticks that you can buy and get shipped to you. Wow. So anyway, let me kind of restart. Yes. Cambo. K-A-M-B-O. Again, this is a term used for the practice of putting the excretions on your body, but Mm -hmm. it's also the term used for the frog that's endemic to the area where it comes from, which Mm -hmm. is the Amazonian rainforest. So majority of the countries that touch the Amazon, for example, Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Peru, French Guiana, Suriname, and Venezuela, Mm -hmm. they all have this practice in their cultures of Mm. taking the frog getting its secretions and then using it as like a healing item they use it to give good luck to hunters before they go off for a hunt and they use it for just medicinal purposes within their their tribes and did you Um, say that this is a mm -hmm. poisonous frog yes it is (laughs) this is a poisonous frog so i was i was gonna get to that so yeah yeah it's the common name for specifically the genus Phylomedusa. In terms of getting more specific, the genus and species Phylomedusa by color, aka the giant leaf frog, that's in this Amazonian region. Mm-hmm. And th- the excretions that come off of their, specifically their back and their legs, are poisonous because what happens during this practice. I'll just go into like what actually occurs when you put Cambo on your body. So what people do, and this is, this is taken from the traditional indigenous cultures. Like this is what, how they practice it, but they take a heated stick or a heated vine, something that's firm or woody. Mm -hmm. And they will actually put the burning stick onto your skin to create a small 
burn mark or wound, like a fresh wound on your skin. And typically it'll be about like, you know, 0.5 centimeters of a wound. So very small. And it's just like pock, pock marks, like pock, pock, pock down the arm with these fresh wounds, wounds being burned into your body. And then they'll take the secretion uh, collected from the frog from the previous days prior and they'll rub it into that fresh wound. So very oh. small amount of the secretion. Yeah. And typically the secretion is actually mixed with saliva or something to make that what's in the, the mucus a little more tacky so it yeah. can like hold better. So then they'll put it into the wound and immediately after putting it into the wound, and when I say immediately, like within a minute, you start to vomit and diarrhea what? and you get some opioidal effects but the main thing is that you just vomit and diarrhea. So you're just like emitting right from both ends. And then people typically will sleep. And then, then in the next hours or days, people report better stamina, better energy, better libido, mm. better mental health. They feel elevated. It's like after this excessive purge yeah. from this cambo stuff, they just feel like super elevated. Right. With the indigenous tribes, such as like the the one tribe that came up the most, even though there's a bunch of others that practice this, but the one tribe that comes up the most is the Matses, M-A-T-S-E-S, which mm-hmm. is the Peruvian slash, I recognize that they're like far apart, but it's the Peruvian Brazilian parts of the Amazon rainforest that this, this tribe mm-hmm. lives in. But they use it specifically for when they're about to go on a hunt. And what they say is that when hunters are given or go through this practice, their senses are elevated during the hunt. Mm, And so that's why. And it's also to, as I mentioned earlier, to rid the hunters of any bad energy or bad Mm -hmm. luck so that their hunt can be a success. Got it. Okay. So (laughs) I'm just, I I know you started this out saying that people in New York and SF are doing that. I'm like, that is so extreme of a action like what what do you need to hunt for what are you doing that requires this amount of activity so so this is why i wanted to do this episode because i did have thoughts on that Mm -hmm. and like it's just my own personal opinion and stuff but okay (laughs) so unsurprisingly there is concern from the native cultures that do this practice about how it's being commercialized and like Mm -hmm. there's been an uptick in commercialization this past decade right okay well one there is unfortunately an environmental impact because people within that region, those countries that surround that Amazonian rainforest, they recognize like, oh, it's getting really popular in Europe and the America, like mm-hmm. um, North America. So the specific tree frogs are being, you know, captured and exploited yeah. in some way. Totally. They're not on any high danger or concern list for their species. But there is a general concern of like, hey, we shouldn't be exploiting these animals or exploiting the traditional practice Mm -hmm. for capitalist consumption. (laughs) And so, right, consumerism. Because the first article that made triggered me to even look into any of this, Mm -hmm. it was specifically that insider article that it's titled something like, the tech industry is getting into poisoning themselves with cambo or something like that right and we already know we already know like it's the very in thing to do psychedelics in the tech industry it's the very in thing to do microdose mdma Mm -hmm. microdose lsd what have you sure 
But now it seems like the trend is to do this Cambo stuff as an alternative medicine. And I'm always critical. I'll always be critical of taking something that is centuries old of a tradition from another culture and then using it as an alternative medicine because I just think the meaning is lost immediately. And also because you hit it on the head for me, like, you're not hunting in the SF. Like, there's no in my opinion, good reason for it. Like people that do it for alternative medicine practice in Western cultures, their argument is, oh, it can help fight depression. It can help fight these other psychological symptoms. But there's no scientific evidence that backs that. One, there's not enough research too. Right. But right now scientists are like, nothing backs that comments except for people who believe in this holistic medicine. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to bounce around all over yeah, the place, please but do. here's my analogy. I think it might have been you I was talking to or somebody else, but you know when we watch nature documentaries and the camera crew and the production crew of the nature documentary typically are people from a developed country, mm-hmm. typically white facing, mm-hmm. whatever, but they'll go out to, for example, rural parts of China yeah. or rural parts of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And they're, they end up in some sort of rainforest, right? Yeah. And you'll see the production crew literally geared up in their fishing boots and, you know, their overalls to make sure no moisture gets in their socks or their shoes yeah. because they're going to be trekking through the frickin' jungle that's flooded and they can't risk to get gangrene, mm-hmm. right? So you see that. Yeah. But then you see the locals who mm-hmm. they've hired to help them. And the locals are literally just stomping barefoot right. in the marsh. You know what I mean? And you see that all the time in like the production of these National Geographic videos 100%. or whatever. I don't know who I was talking to about this, but the person I spoke to about this, they're like, well, that's because if you think about it, the locals are, their genetics are made for that environment. It's true. They've been born and raised in that. They're not susceptible to whatever disease or bacteria because it's just part of their system. Right. And I believe that. And so in my head, I'm like, the people who have been doing this for centuries in the Amazonian rainforest, it's meant for them. Yeah. Because yep. their biology is one with this Cambo practice. Mm-hmm. Like it is meant for them. I guarantee you any incidences of death are probably near zero to yeah. that population because they know the practice. They know the tradition. They're just accustomed to dealing with this frog in general. When I hear about people taking it and charging $150 per session to get Cambo and to to basically self-poison themselves with Cambo up in San Francisco, I'm like, I just think it's so insulting. (laughs) I think it's incredibly insulting. And yes, there are. I came across several articles that talk about incidences of death predominantly in Europe or Mm -hmm. in North America Mm -hmm. where people do this Cambo exercise. Yeah. And granted, some of them, they do say like, hey, there are underlying health effects. So it's inconclusive if this poison was was why. But then there are other incidences where like this person did this practice self-poisoning themselves. They did the practice themselves Mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. And then one day they just straight up died after one of their sessions. Yeah. So when I think about in general, psychedelic drug usage or anything that is being used with the intent to be like, I'm trying to alleviate my stress. I'm trying to 
find answers for myself. Like anything that's being used for that purpose, which Cambo is one of them. That's yeah. why that's one of the reasons why these tech people are using them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all fine, but you're still going to go to your 9 to 5 job and not make the world an actual better place. Right. And I'm I'm not saying like it's self-serving. What, I, what I'm trying to say, yes, it's self-serving because what I'm trying to say is like in contrast the matsis in the jungle when they go hunt it's so they can bring it back for their families Correct. and their people yep. these tech people i'm like okay you're gonna go do this practice and just go through this ex- extreme exertion to find some sort of elevated experience and then you're just gonna go back to this world of capitalism right and not actually make things better for people and in their mind they're probably like i am making things better mm-hmm. because i've made technology better yeah but i'm like yes but it's not it's not serving in a way that is equivalent correct to what the matzes are doing i just i don't know if that's coming through no, that at all is like i don't know through. if i'm explaining that well you did and yeah. you know i i have so many things to say uh <laughs> i'm glad that you decided to do this as a topic and you said it's going to be mm-hmm. short and sweet i don't think it's going to be short I and sweet because okay. i just think this is this is a topic of discussion that lends itself to having a full-on discussion. So that being said, mm. the first thing I thought of when you brought this up is this is very similar or not very similar, but it's conceptually makes me think of ayahuasca and how that yes. has kind of been appropriated yes. as well into Western culture in a similar fashion. When you said the whole process of how it is done, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. minute. It seems like very minute secretions are being put onto the body that is exhibiting mm-hmm. such a large effect and very quickly too. And right. to me, I'm sure like for the people that have done it for centuries in South yeah, America, yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem like the main goal was to achieve lack of depression or experiencing this mm-hmm. elevation. It seemed more practical to be mm-hmm. kind of at your peak level so that you can provide for the community it wasn't so much about achieving enlightenment which i'm sure it probably happened as a byproduct of that but it seemed very Mm -hmm. much more we have a task at hand that we're trying to achieve first and this is a happy byproduct of doing this whole practice whereas the western society wants to bypass all of the traditional mm-hmm. aspects of that and just want to pick out the quote unquote good parts of that. What I have a problem with, and it's a double-edged sword because I'm mm-hmm. all in favor of psychedelics and utilizing mm-hmm. them in a medicinal mm-hmm. sense and utilizing mm-hmm. them in the medical field. I think mm-hmm. that's great. What I don't think is as great is this appropriation of other people's practices. They want to do things that other people are not doing. For sure, the conversation that happens is, dude, I just started getting into Cambo. Right. Oh, you don't know what Cambo is? No. Oh my gosh, you have to try Cambo. <laughs> it's so much better than ketamine. Yeah, t- <laughs> like, totally. Like Real quick, I do want to make sure I get the language mm-hmm. right. I feel a little bad using the word elevated. The indigenous tribes do use it to elevate their senses, mm-hmm. but mostly what it's used for, and particularly how it's marketed for western cultures and western consumption is that it's a purifying experience for the body okay. it's a purifying purification of the sure. body aka it's marketed as a detox it, because of the purging okay. that happens but as an outcome of that detox people report quote mm-hmm. unquote report okay a couple hours or a couple days after i feel so exhilarated sure. and i feel like i'm the best that i can be and i have a better sense of my mind mm-hmm. and 
my stamina is better and totally. all that stuff. So it's not in the same way that psychedelics or hallucinogenics or whatever would be talked mm-hmm. about, but there's elements, there's like intersecting elements yeah. there. Yeah, anyway. like scientifically there. So so basically there are no psychotropic elements to this um, natural toxin. Ye- <sighs> I have to double check. I want to say, yeah, I wouldn't say there's actual psychedelics. When we get into the toxicity, I'll let you know. The main thing that's in this secretion is there's opioid mm, peptides. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. As soon as you say like SF or New York and especially like tech people, I know yeah. people firsthand that do stuff like this where they pay people to give them drugs mm-hmm. and kind of walk them through this mm-hmm. therapy session that they think is going to... right. I'm using it in this way, like elevate them into this yeah, transcendental yeah, yeah. experience to either solve a problem right. that they have at work or think in a very different creative way. I think that's great and everything, but it's just difficult because it definitely is expensive. And mm-hmm. I think there is actual benefit when it comes to these types of psychedelics, especially like in treatment resistant depression. Mm-hmm. And I think the people that truly need it aren't getting it mm-hmm. uh, because they don't have right. the funds to spend tons right, of money, like literally right. 3000 for like an obsession with someone to like mm-hmm. walk them through this mm-hmm. treatment right. that could actually trip. really, really help them, yeah. you know? So there's just like a lot right. of right. things that go through my mind when it comes to this. But yeah, I think for, for yeah. me, like this in particular is more like, oh, I've tried everything else. What's the next thing, you know? Yeah. Right. That's what I got from this too. I am all for shroom therapy yeah. because shroom therapy I think what's inter- like what's interesting about that is that there is not so much of a tie to certain cultures no. around shroom therapy. You exactly. know what I'm talking about? Whereas this is very specific to a specific region in South America, mm-hmm. to a specific animal and specific practices, yes. right? And so I do agree that at least when I was reading about it, I d- get the sentiment of just whoever's doing it and whoever's charging for it in the United States I'm trying to make this a trend. What's the next thing that people with money who want to be ahead of the curve are willing to spend on? And I know for a fact that people who have probably done it and like the experience would hear this, hear how we're talking and be like, well, no, the person who did it for me, they've been trained. Mm -hmm. They've gone to that region and they've been trained by people in the indigenous tribes and cultures on how to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Like, I get that. But understand that, yes, while they've been trained properly about the tradition, they're coming to the state and providing it to a community that doesn't have any plans to actually do good things with it. Mm-hmm. You like, know there's what I'm no saying? guarantee. Whereas, like, in South America yeah. and in all these communities, there's centuries long, I'm, I sh- yeah. I'm sure, centuries long traditions right. of utilizing it for specific purposes. Exactly. Where that is not established or the case here that we know of. Right. And I think that's like the biggest factor that is lost. I like, agree. so yes, I did read there are people who are trained in Europe who do their little pilgrimage to the Amazon mm-hmm. rainforest mm-hmm. and they learn about the practice and all that. And then they, sure, they bring it to Europe or wherever country they're going to. But at the end of the day, it's that last part of the importance of the mm-hmm. <laughs> the messaging mm-hmm. is lost because their consumer, yeah. the consumer is doing it, in my opinion, for selfish, for selfish mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. 
Which sounds shitty because maybe this consumer really believes like I've been depressed and I think this is my last alternative. I hear really good things about this This is what I'm going to do. But I'm like, hey, there are other remedies for depression. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not a a psychiatrist in that regard. Yeah. But I'm pretty confident that a psychiatrist, if they were on this episode, they would be like, yeah, don't do that. You know, like there's definitely other options, plenty, so. plenty of other options available to you right. outside of just traditional pharmaceutical medication. But anyways, yeah. what I did want to say is I don't want to deter or talk down the fact that there are people who I'm sure are trained and who are going to mm-hmm. South America and learning the traditions mm-hmm probably even living with these communities and understanding the history and all of the things that come with it. I think that is beautiful. Right. Like I, I'm all for spreading awareness of different cultures, different practices, and people who actually take the mm-hmm. time to go through that and learn about that stuff is awesome. At the same right. time, my one thing I would want to voice to those people is just you know, be ethical about it. I understand everyone has to make a living, fine. So if you do want to make a living out of it, just mm-hmm. be mindful of one what you're charging and who you're charging it to. Right. That's all. Right. Yeah. I just get more critical in a sense of like if you went through all the trouble to travel and even learn about these cultures and these practices and understand its meaning and stuff, you bear even more responsibility on how you use it when you return. Yeah. Right. That's ideal. Thank you for <laughs> talking me yeah. through this critique. But that's pretty much it. So like I can go through a little more of the detail, the specifics of the practice of how they actually get the venom Mm -hmm. off the frog. So here's something that might be a little upsetting for people um, who are current, you know, concerned about the animal impact, the environmental impact. But basically what the tribes do is they'll catch a frog and they're really gorgeous frogs. They're tree frogs. So if you just look up, if you look up giant leaf frog or even if you type in phylomedusa yeah. it's p-h-y-l-o-m-e-d-u-s-a you'll get these photos of tree frogs and they're oh, gorgeous yeah. beautiful green one of the first images on google search is a photo from wikipedia uh-huh. and the frog is sitting on a stump and its eyes are like half opened mm-hmm. and its neck is kind of like scrunched in so it kind of looks very almost toad-like yeah. but when its eyes are squinted i feel like the frog does look like some sort of otherworldly like spirit like godlike creature do you know what i'm talking about because there's gonna be there's photos of frogs with the eyes open and they're super cute and it's like that's a tree frog but then there's the ones where they're just kind of very stoic on the on the branch and they look like gods like when i saw the photo i'm like they these frogs look like godlike creatures totally Um, totally what you would imagine is in like murals uh, in South American culture, exactly. indigenous culture. I think I'm looking at the right one, but I'm looking at this photo of this frog, exactly what Megan said, this very bright lime, really beautiful lime green color. And they have these kinds of, mm. some of them have these like white little stripes across yes. their body. Yes. And their mm-hmm. eyes, oh my gosh, just regal. Totally just regal. Yes, they look, they look ancient. Yeah. There's something so wise about their look. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I was like, man this shit should not be touched just by the way they look like these are meant for the force yeah. these are meant for the people of that yeah. area so anyways so what they do in the practice is they'll capture the frog some sources said that the frogs are kept for about three days mm-hmm. 
But in terms of the extracting process, the frogs are tied. Their limbs are tied to sticks, essentially. Specifically, their two legs, their two back legs are splayed out. They're not quote unquote harmed. Like these frogs are released at Mm -hmm. the end. So I'll give the good news first. The frogs are released at the end. The the goal is never to kill Mm -hmm. them or to harm them. However, in order for the secretions to occur, the frog does need to be stressed because they naturally excrete this like toxic mucus, this peptide mucus off their back when predators are around, right? So they need to be stressed out. So in order to stress them, they tie their legs to sticks and splay splay their legs Mm -hmm. out. And on occasion, they'll even put them close to high heat, Mm -hmm. so like a fire, so that the frog feels like threatened. And then that's when their mucus membranes, subcutaneous mucus membranes, start to excrete this peptide, Hmm. whatever, like waxy substance. And then a stick is taken and it's scraped down the back and the back legs. And then that stick is wrapped in a leaf and the mucus actually dries. And so so that's why later on, sometimes water or saliva, some sort of bonding agent is added to the dried Mm -hmm. mucus so that it becomes viscousy again or liquidy again. And that's pretty much how they get this stuff. And then the frog is then released back into the forest. The concerns around that are now that it's becoming something that's marketable to Europe and North America, how are we treating the frogs? Are we doing the practice humanely? Are people, you know, capturing the frogs in bulk in the surrounding countries, taken to urban areas and then stressed out in a way that's not based on practice right and actually fun fact it's actually illegal to do cambo in brazil Hmm. which i thought was very interesting because brazil is part of the culture that does this practice but it's it's banned because of how it's starting to increece in marketing um in in terms of the abuse of the practice Hmm. that's why it's banned and in chile it's also banned because it's basically being practiced in urban areas mm-hmm. and deaths are happening. And so they're like, we can't have that happening in our countries. Got it. Like, just leave it to the professionals yeah. in the forest. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so people so, so you can die So I thought that was this. really interesting. So I can't. Okay. I hate, I hate saying this, but we cannot definitively say that. People have died from this. There's a correlation, Mm. but there is not causation. There are articles and research papers out there that talk about singular incidences where they note this person just went through a Cambo ritual and they just died. Mm -hmm. Or they note this person went through a Cambo ritual and their esophageal region experienced collapse Mm. with no other health underlying health issues prior. Things like that. So there's not enough information or studies done currently on the mucus as to why people are passing away after they do these cambo exercises but basically what real real doctors are saying are we wouldn't recommend it like we just wouldn't recommend it we don't know enough we recognize there's a poisoning factor because it does make you shit and and vomit Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and it also causes an increase increased heart rate And it's also, so I'm getting into toxicity at this point. It's also a vasodilator, Mm. which means that expands your blood vessels very quickly and relaxes smooth muscles Mm -hmm. very quickly. That's why the vomiting and all that stuff happens within like a minute's time span because it gets gets through the blood brain barrier very quickly. 
other things that happen, you get swelling of the face. Here's a quote. Here's multiple quotes from the Insider article. Quote, they call it frog face. Julia Allison, a media strategist in San Francisco, told the New York Times, it kind of looks like a celebrity plastic surgeon went to town on your face, like Kim Kardashian in a funhouse mirror. (laughs) And then suddenly you are unbelievably nauseous. You're basically going from zero to the worst flu of your life within 60 seconds. Another user, Emma, told Vice's Max Daily that Cambo made her feel like, quote, like my brain was being punched from the inside. Oh my God. And people want to do this (laughs) for funsies. And people want to do this. Shits and gigs, man. Yeah. All day. Right. (laughs) And so, okay, let's talk about what we know Mm. about the mucus, what, what we know about this peptide secretion. So the peptides that are found inside this mucus, there's four. Dermorphin which is a natural opioid. They're all natural Mm -hmm. opioids. So dermorphin, which is a natural opioid that binds as an agonist specifically to the mu opioid receptors, Mm -hmm. it is 30 to 40 times more potent than morphine. Oh my lord. What? (laughs) Jesus. And it is not found, this dermorphin is not found in humans or other mammals. In fact, it was first isolated specifically from the skin of these frogs from the phylomedusa genus. And they've only been, it's only been found in bacteria, amphibians, and Whoa. mollusks. So this is very specific to just these frogs. And like the Wait, other stuff so I listed. also bacteria so then, and yeah. mollusks? That's so, in, like, that's so specific mollusks, to just yeah. that trio. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. And something that I'm not going to mm. be able to explain very well, but that mm. I'll try my best, is that this peptide cannot be replicated or synthesized mm-hmm. because the process of how it's formed is specifically unique to these amphibians. And because of that, we don't have the means to synthesize it yeah. ourselves in a yeah. lab or something. Good. So I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I thought good. that was interesting. That's probably safer <laughs> right? for, right? for the rest like of it's us. It's not meant. It's not yeah. meant for us. Yeah. So the other peptides found in this mucus is deltorphins specifically deltorphin, deltorphin 1 and deltorphin mm. 2, which all are opioid peptides. They act on the delta opioid mm-hmm. receptor, also highly potent and, and highly specific to Those that receptor. Those are my receptor. favorite opioid receptor. Delta opioid. No. Do you want to talk more about that? <laughs> no, I literally don't know. <laughs> Continue. And, and the same thing as dermorphin, all these deltorphins are mm. unique to these frogs. It's not wow. found naturally anywhere else. So cool. Yeah, it's very cool. That's pretty That's pretty much it. And there's no antidote because, again, there's not enough research about it. I think that research on it is on the uptick because now people are interested in using it and people yeah. are dying. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah. That'll be something we'll have to keep a lookout for just yeah. like in the medical world. See if yeah. any studies are continuing to be done and what they find from that. I'd be curious right. to know. And I will say, I'll speak for myself. I'm not a professional. Harini is a doctor now. <laughs> so she is a professional. I can speak on it. But I will just give my opinion. Yes. If someone is like, hey, you have to try Cambo, don't fucking do it. That's my opinion. <laughs> don't do it, at least in the States. I think if you, I thought about it for myself. I was like, if I ever was offered to do Cambo, I for sure would not do it here. Especially, Mm-mm. even if someone was like, oh, I went and trained and practiced South America. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. If I were ever to do Cambo, like if I mm-hmm. ever really were to do it, I'm going to go travel to the Matsis tribe yeah, and integrate myself and do it there with people that I trust. But then again, right. also recognizing 
that I am not from that area. Mm-mm. I don't have the genetics to Mm-mm. accommodate this peptide secretion. So, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, as a doctor, <laughs> I second that word for word. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is, honestly, if I were to do this, immerse myself first or at least month, but I would hunt afterwards. I would put it to yeah. use. I would be like, okay, let me actually do the whole thing. Let me do some yeah. hunting. Let me see if this helps me be alert and aware of myself and my surroundings. And, right. you know, bring some food home for the people. <laughs> yeah. And that's that. Right. I like that. I like that so much more than being <laughs> like, I'm going to go to work the next day and hopefully make this amazing code that will just make my company more money. Jesus. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't mean to shit on you. <laughs> but for real, so, though. Such, but we do really shitting on people today. <laughs> um, okay. I really like that you. Yeah, I like this. I like this episode. It was short and sweet, mm, but you. it was almost mm-hmm. like a PSA like hey this is out there so people if you hear about Cambo I know we have a lot of California listeners so mm. I'm sure this is going to crop up in LA anytime soon now be on the lookout Harini, I, mm-hmm. I gotta tell you something what? when I typed in a giant leaf frog uh-huh. one of the first results on my page was Google Maps popped up yeah. and it was like oh Cambo green frog alternative medicine in your neighborhood so there oh is someone God. in my San Diego neighborhood who does do Cambo or offers Cambo practices. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, no, no, no. Did you, oh, no, no. Were you able to like see if she has training or, or like what, what's her sitch? I didn't even click. <laughs> <You were> just, <laughs> I, maybe I should, I should do more thorough research. I will look into what her stitch is, but my biases were yeah, like, yeah. Ugh. red flags everywhere. <laughs> okay. Well, that is yeah. really shocking to find out, but okay. So that means like it's closer <laughs> to home than we know. So yeah, keep an eye out folks. Yeah. Uh, you never know what you'll find right. around the, around the corner, but yeah. that's, that's it. Right. Megan? Do that's it. That's done. Right. Short and sweet. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks. Poison. Yeah. Pals. That was a good yeah. one. That was a good one. Should we do uh, and well, actually I want to say kind of on a similar note mm-hmm. for my acorn tv friends <laughs> yes, and you, yes. you know like i said before you know your girl likes a good british uh procedural so i've been watching grandchester like an old old lady mm. that i am there's a hot vicar in it which is always helpful Ooh. that solves crimes it makes no freaking sense but <laughs> whatever <laughs> I know. uh why why is that a trope why is why that a trope that a i don't understand <laughs> there's like multiple yeah. british shows where the vicar or the priest is solving crimes and murders so anyways on this particular episode i think it's at oxford college but this student mm-hmm. ends up dead from experimenting with lsd and mm. the whole episode i was waiting and waiting and waiting for them to kind of be like lsd doesn't kill you but mm. that rhetoric was never brought up. There was a little bit portion mm. where the student's professor who was running this research trial, again, like mm-hmm. 1950s, 1960s, so it definitely fits the time of LSD. He mm-hmm. was experimenting, microdosing it very tiny, tiny amounts with his students as well as himself just to like kind of use it for psychotherapy. But basically, students got hold of a bigger stash and decided to dose themselves mm-hmm. on the side. And that's how the student mm-hmm. died. It's just interesting to note that there is a lot of misinformation still about psychedelics. That was all I was going to say. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, like even before the episode that I did about LSD, I didn't know like a ton about how it affects Mm. you and 
in relation mm-hmm. to causing you to die or not die or whatever. But mm-hmm. I just feel like we need to do a better job of not spreading the fear. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I just watched some YouTuber and I want to give them credit, but I cannot for the life of me remember their names. But basically the specific YouTuber mm-hmm. specializes in talking about psychedelics. Oh, cool. But this specific episode I came across, it was titled like what it's like to go to insert name of festival. Like it's a festival up in, I don't know, Oregon or whatever, interviewing people on psychedelics at insert name Mm -hmm. of festival. And I was like, okay, like, let's see what that's about. And this, this is one of those festivals that it's not like Coachella. It's one of those festivals that's in my opinion, pretty underground to the general mm-hmm, population, mm-hmm. but very well known in the world of people who do psychedelics on the sure. reg. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like people who were he interviewed were like, yeah, this is the festival you go to if you want to just try any sort of psychedelic, mm-hmm. whether that's ketamine, DMT, LSD. Yep. Weirdly, GHB, is it GHB? Oh, Basically, really, yeah. roofies. It's the same thing as, it's the the drug that's in roofies apparently people were doing a bunch of that which he the the interviewer was like that that was really surprising like i don't know why people are doing so much of that Mm -hmm. here but what was interesting about the interviews is that more often people were like i'd rather do lsd or acid over shrooms Hmm. there's definitely a preference and i already knew this and there's a preference the other way too some people are like i would much rather do shrooms than lsd and acid because i know that the the effects are different. Some, I think some people describe it as there's like more euphoria with one versus the other, mm-hmm. or there's like the way you see the world is switched between the mm-hmm. two. Anyways, but I've always thought it's fascinating that people would rather do a synthetic, right. like an like LSD, over something that's organic, like shrooms. Yeah, yeah. I've never tried LSD, but eventually. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because I 100% mm-hmm agree with you like i've noticed that observation as well i mm. almost feel like you're in the lsd camp or the shrooms camp i feel like people who mm-hmm. are all about lsd don't touch shrooms and vice versa and right. it's funny because the right. first i know we're talking about lizzo a lot this upset but what's david letterman has this show where he does like the interview like and he interviews people now uh, like who's next oh, yeah. or something my next oh, yeah. yeah my next guest is Correct. or something like yeah. that so lizzo is on that which i actually think is it was a really mm-hmm. really good episode if you guys are interested in like lizzo mm-hmm. highly recommend yeah anyways so Lizzo was on that and they get to a point where they do start to talk about drugs and she was like vehemently against LSD. She was like, I am putting mm. any kind of synthetic shit in my body. Like, I don't know what that's going to do to me. Yeah. Like, why would I want that? Like, and she was t- talking mm. about that in relation to shrooms. She's like, I would do shrooms all day. Mm. Makes me like happy. Makes me just want to dance and like relax. I love it. Right, right. Uh, and that's right. kind of her experience between the two. So this, yeah, it's just yeah. interesting. That is interesting. And I wonder if it's like, I wonder if there's like a very basic thought processes that goes into either camp. Because mm-hmm. like, maybe, I, and I don't know, I'm I'm not fully immersed in shroom culture. I'm not fully immersed in psychedelic culture in general. But you know where I stand on yeah. shrooms. Like, I, I think it's so fascinating. But I wonder if like, the very base thought processes for shrooms is like, it is earthier. Mycelium mm-hmm. is the beginning of the yeah. earth. And we are one with the earth. And I wonder if there's like a narrative in that subculture where it's like, because it's earthier, that's why I avoid synthetics. Like, why would you take a synthetic if there's something that can literally connect you to your ground? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? To the dirt. (laughs) 
which I think is a beautiful, yeah. I think that's a beautiful thought process. Totally. And I mean, I probably think that yeah. way. Yeah. Whoever, if, if there's any poison files out there that have thoughts on that world. Yeah. Please tell us. Yeah. We'd be curious. Because uh, we're newbies. Yeah. Anyone's we're thoughts little, on that? We're little babies in that world. Or even thoughts about anyway. Cambo too. Like, do you guys know people who are doing that stuff and why? We'd be curious yeah. to know why as well. I mean, besides right. obviously. Or if you've done it yourself, let us mm. know how it felt. Did you feel like your body was just totally purified yeah. after the experience? Exactly. I know we um, judged the shit out yeah. of people doing it in this episode, we totally but we did. we yeah. this is just purely for discussion's sake. So feel free to totally. let us know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can head on out of the episode. Megan, take All us right. out. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait! Are oh, we shit. gonna do anecdotes? <laughs> I keep, I always say anecdote. Me I'm too. An antidote. Antidote. I've, I've listened to her yeah. episodes, or when I'm like reviewing the editing, I'm like, oh shit! I keep saying anecdote. That's not what this is. <laughs> it ends up being an anecdote. I think it's your use. Right. It, yes, yeah. it does. It's your. It's your antidote first. Okay. Yes. I yeah. Believe. My. Yes. So my antidote is that tomorrow is Dave's birthday and happy birthday. yeah okay ha- happy birthday Dave I don't know I was whispering <laughs> that I wasn't sure if I was gonna talk over you happy birthday Dave yeah. we love you yes we do and so tomorrow is his birthday so I'm excited to make it very very special and just enjoy we're gonna have some game nights with the family through zoom mm-hmm. I'm gonna make some good food got some gifts lined up and we're just gonna have a grand old mm. time so i'm excited for that and just to celebrate him because he deserves it that's my antidote absolutely absolutely i hope it's such a blast it will be a blast if you're coordinating everything <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be awesome okay happy birthday Dave. Um, your cats i'm just sorry your cats this entire time that we've been recording have just been like jumping from one side of the room to the next they have been yes so my cats like napped the majority of the day mm. they have definitely been sleeping the majority Makes of the sense. day now they are out they are awake. they've uh jumped on the keyboard a couple times yeah. i don't know if you saw my screen yeah. shaking like this that's that's my antidote is that's harini uh you know she just graduated her <laughs> pharmacy program and now she's a doctor okay. and i got to watch her well i got to be a yes. part of her graduation ceremony it was virtual so it was all pre-recorded by the ucsf staff mm-hmm. or whatever our buddy drew and i we watched it and we were texting harini as we were watching it and um there was some weird stuff <laughs> there was a lot of weird the- stuff <laughs> in the ceremony and i'm not going to go into details but knowing that the whole video like the whole thing was pre-recorded i did turn to drew every once in a while and i was like how did this get in here because it was pre-recorded they had plenty of time to vet and edit stuff but you know life goes (laughs) on so i don't know if it's isn't that ceremony like available on youtube permanently sure is or something sure is if you have any intrigue oh at all to watch like a UCSF graduation ceremony, go and watch it and see if you can pick up on any bizarreness. That's that. Anyways, but then the other cool part about it, which I just thought was we were like screaming <laughs> when it happened, screaming yeah. out of joy, is at the end of the ceremony when they've shown every person's graduation photo. So Harini came across the screen and we're like, woohoo. And she had a quote from Lizzo <laughs> as her like graduation <laughs> quote. Amazing. 
after all of the new doctor's mm-hmm. photos crossed the screen, they did photos of friends and mm-hmm. family just as like a nice thing at the end that the graduating students provide for the yep. video. So, you know, there's photos going across the screen and we see Harini and Dev pop up. We see Harini and her family pop up and we're like, oh, there they are. There they are. How cute. And all these photos are like collaged mm-hmm. together on the screen. So you'll see like different people in different photos like not all from the same family like it's just like a collage of different photos but then for some bizarre ass reason (laughs) it's right towards the end one photo alone just pops up on the whole screen and it's me drew and harini (laughs) and drew and i were like shocked because like nobody else's photos on the screen it's just us on the screen for like a good five yeah like five, five to seven, seven seconds, seconds. <laughs> and it ends pretty much the slideshow the entire graduation ceremony ends on our picture and like like literally on that, on that note, note it was yeah. the most okay i will say i at that point was not even in the living room i had already gone outside and like i don't know was cutting cake and like mm. other eating food or whatever right and my, right right you're like i'm done right with right because i didn't i actually yeah. didn't even know that that was happening like i had no idea that yeah. they were putting pictures up like that my family mm-hmm could not wait to be done with this graduation ceremony They're like this is the weirdest thing i've ever had to sit through can we please be done with this so yeah weird. and i'm like yes yeah, yeah no yeah. problem so then i promptly yeah, go yeah. outside yeah, yeah and then my dad comes later he he had kind of stayed and lingered around to watch because he's like oh there's photos mm-hmm. like this is kind of cool so he right, lingered right. and then he came yeah. up to me he's like yeah i think i saw your photo i was like what he's like they put up a photo of you like i'm pretty sure it was you with like two other people and I was like, what is this yeah. guy on? And then I went back and <laughs> it had already finished. And then I started right. screeching. I'm like, oh, my God, it's me, Megan and Drew. And then I went through the whole thing. I'm like, wow, this yeah. is pretty baller that they ended on us because we are just gorgeous people. Right. It was a, a good, good photo. photo. I was like, damn, yeah. like, wow, what a good <laughs> note to end on. Um, so that was that's my antidote is that I got to watch this graduation ceremony. Harini is now a doctor and we were mm-hmm. featured in the ending credits of the ceremony. Yes. Slight last comment. There were some photos at the end that did make me laugh that didn't have anything to do with us, but there was like a couple that kept uh-huh. popping up. And one of the first photos that they had, they were eating churros. Oh, yes. And the boy, the guy in the couple was like deep throating <laughs> his churro and it was just fantastic. Oh my God. I know so exactly <laughs> what photo and who you're talking about and I'm laughing in my head. And out, out loud. So but funny. I was just going to say as a final, final note, that was also my mm-hmm. antidote because that was such a fun moment. I actually had a really, even though it was virtual, I was a little, not upset, but I was like, just like, oh, this, that's a bummer, you know? You know, for something that is so yeah. such a big milestone, it's nice to have something in person to really celebrate. But I have to say, this has been the best graduation I've ever had. So at, my whole family made it so, so special. Like Friends who watched made it so, so good. special. And it was genuinely yeah. special that they included those photos and that it kind of made mm. my friends and family feel a part of that whole celebration. So that was super yeah. awesome. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, that is it. I will take us away. We're just going to end it Mm -hmm. real quick. Don't risk it for that tree frog biscuit. Yeah. Don't Don't do do it. it. Because it's disrespectful. You techies, we're looking at you. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Bye.